0: Uh, back at it.
1: We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. We had the spring game over the weekend, and Colby Powell is here to help break it all down. Colby, did you have a good weekend? I know you went to a great stadium as well. I did have a good weekend. Did not get to watch the spring game live
0: on Saturday. I've seen all the highlights and checked out what took place there. Got to see O'Bray Stadium for the first time. It was awesome, and I am now very, and I mean Carson, very sunburnt.
1: Yeah, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and just the little time I, I do get outside to play a little golf, I just get fried even when I put sunscreen on. So my, I'm not quite ready for, for summertime yet. I got to get that bass down.
0: Yeah, normally I have, uh, you know, my my sunscreen. I'm I'm a redhead. Everybody knows we don't do too well in the sun. It's kind of an evil monster to us. And so usually I've got the uh, auto ship on Amazon, but then I turn it off in the winter. So I'm gonna have to get my sunscreen back on auto ship. Get one showing up at the front door every uh, two weeks or so.
1: Well, that's the price you pay being redheaded and fair skin, right? Living the dream, baby. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm my grandma has red hair and. I have the fair complexion on her side of the family. So I feel your pain, literally and figuratively. Uh, before we get to spring game, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com or on Campus Corner. We always appreciate Chris's and I'm sure a lot of people were able to go by there for the spring game, for the baseball game, pick up your um, your baseball cap for the game as well. So we appreciate Chris's sponsoring the podcast as always. Before we get too much into the the actual game itself, Colby, I did have... I did need to take a turn to Negative Town real quick before we get to all the positives that, that we saw on Saturday. Hmm. It just it baffles my brain how a program like Oklahoma State, who we all know what Mike Gundy's been able to do, they're a top 15 program in the country, every single year the spring game is not televised. Now, in past years, I, you know it's been a, basically just a practice with drills. I, I get that. This was a real live game, and I don't understand why it wasn't televised. I don't understand why it wasn't broadcast online. I don't understand why they didn't hardly put out any highlights, and there wasn't even statistics. There wasn't even a box score for the spring game. And to me, this is so small time, and I don't know if this is a a Gundy thing where we're going to reward the people that come. It's going to be all OSU people that are there, and they're going to know about it. But like you need to expand your, your brand. OSU's a big time football program. It just it drives me crazy and is so small time, Colby, that the lack of exposure for OSU football.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you brought that up because I was going to bring it up later. I'm on the homepage right now for Oklahoma State Athletics, OKState.com. The latest is right on. And, and again, I have no problem with this being the story because this is the latest story on Oklahoma State Athletics. Christian Alcarnarcy on Strand owns top, uh, earns top honors. But then I scroll down, I'm like, OK, now we'll have the story about the spring game. Uh, nope, we've got COVID data. We've got the Cowboy Tennis dropping a hard-fought match to Texas. We've got Cowboy Baseball winning yesterday in the series finale. We've got Cowboy Baseball falling to Texas on Saturday and we've got the distance cowboys representing at the John McDonald Invitational for men's cross country. Carson, I don't know if you noticed or not but there's a glaring omission from the front page of okstate.com on the Monday after the spring game. It's the spring game, Carson. Nowhere to be found. I guess let's go to menu, men's teams, <laughs> football and see if I dig deep enough in this website if I can find. Here we go. Offense comes alive late as black team beats orange team 27 to 19 in osu spring game it it is odd maybe it is like some sort of weird way to reward the people who go but i mean i don't know man this isn't oklahoma baptist this isn't southern nazarene this is oklahoma state university you you, you're claiming to be one of the top programs around the country and quite frankly you have been one of the top programs around the country the last decade and I mean, you got to go on a treasure hunt to find info about the spring game. I, I also don't understand it, Carson. It just seems to me like it's uh, a missed opportunity to just promote your program to the fullest. And, and look, I have no problem with those other sports being on the homepage. I love those kids getting their due. But at some point, you know, football makes the money. Football's what what most people care most about and uh, nowhere to be found. So it's. Definitely interesting. I wonder, I, I doubt that that question will be asked anytime soon. I don't even know when the media gets to meet again, but it's, it's weird that Oklahoma State does not promote the spring game more than they do.
1: I don't understand it. I think it's small time and the OSU is just beyond this. I, I, I don't really, I don't get it. And there's plenty, there's plenty of people that couldn't have made it to Stillwater on a Saturday that have prior obligations that would have liked to at least tune in for, you know, 30 minutes and watch the game. So I don't, I don't. That's all I had to say about that. I think it's small time and, and OSU deserves better and they need to do better. So but let's get to, that's the negative. Here's some of the positive, Colby. I think one of the m- number one questions this year for OSU football is what skill talent is gonna step up? Who is gonna replace Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace, all those playmakers they had. Cause that's been a real strength of OSU over the years is just they, they seemingly every year have great skill talent. Their offensive line has struggled lately. Their defense has struggled in the past, but step right up Jaden Bray. Obviously, he was the star of the show. He had two touchdowns. I think he had about 85 yards, if, if my statistics are correct, since there's no box score. But Colby, I covered him in high school last year, and he's one of those guys that even in 6A, when you're just watching him warm up, you're like, okay, that, that has to be Jaden Bray. He just He looked the part. He's kind of a late bloomer. I think he he played basketball because his his mom wouldn't let him play football until he like sprouted up to like 6'3 when he was a sophomore. And she's like, OK, fine, you can you can play football. And I don't I'd be lying though if I thought he was going to be the star of the spring game, Colby. He looked great. And I think that he's proving to be a guy that could probably play from day one. Yeah, he did
0: look great. Now, I, I think that he has certainly a future at Oklahoma State, and he can be a player. I do think context is always important in a spring game, right? Because you're, you're not only cycling through guys on offense, you're also cycling through guys on defense. You're getting young guys out. You're getting experience. You're just letting guys play in front of the stands and, and feel what that feels like to play in front of people at Boone Pickens Stadium. We should note... His two touchdowns came against redshirt sophomore Anthony Jemerson and true sophomore Jabbar Muhammad. Uh, Still an impressive day, but, you know, it's not like he uh, torched Christian Holmes and Colby Harvell, Peel or Trey Sterling on his way to touchdowns. It's true. I I like watching the spring game because it's exciting to see these young guys and you can see their potential and you can see what they can do. But honestly, there's no way to know how that translates to facing the starting defense at OU or Iowa State or Texas or TCU. There's just no way to know how that translates until you see a guy in that situation. Uh, I will tell Oklahoma State fans, don't get too excited about Jaden Bray as as an early enrollee true freshman because Carson, you know as well as I do, Oklahoma State has a history of underutilizing, especially true freshmen who've just gotten on campus. So uh, I don't know. He looked really good on Saturday, but it's one of those things where I've seen so many true freshmen be stashed, stashed on the bench and made to wait a year that I'm just not exactly sure what we'll see from Jalen Bray, Jaden Bray this year in terms of
1: opportunities. As a counterpoint, though, he does have a spring to work with this year, whereas, you know, we, we both rue the fact that Brent Presley had one catch during the regular season. I, I do think that matters because they didn't have a spring last year. And obviously that that hurt his ability to get on the field. Obviously, the, with Dylan Stoner, Tylen Wallace, all those guys ahead of him, that hurt his chances too. Now that those guys are gone, I think there's a lot more opportunity for Jaden Bray. Now, I, I'm with you. I'm not ser- sitting here saying he's going to win the Bolitnikoff, but- he has what you can't teach, and that's six foot three, two hundred pounds, and he just—he looked even bigger than that, frankly, on his touchdown catch. And I just—I think he's got a lot of potential. So you're right; it's a spring game. I'm not getting too carried away, but that's kind of what we wanted to, to see in the spring game—is who are some names that are going to pop up and, and flash. And I certainly thought he did that for sure. And another guy that I think really stands out, Colby I don't and Jaden Bray. Yet, real quick, I just want to say. He
0: is an early enrollee. He should be in high school right now. He shouldn't have even graduated yet. The one thing that gets me really excited about Jaden Bray is his size. He's listed at six 6'3", 195 pounds. A guy that young, just now getting in with Coach Glass, he could still grow more. We know he's going to put on a bunch of weight and a bunch of muscle. So that's one thing that I'm, I'm very excited about is the, the prospect of Oklahoma State having a big, tall, physical receiver who can dominate people in the red zone.
1: Yep. That's, that's kind of what I was saying is you can't teach size. And he, he certainly has that even as an early enrollee and he just, you, you see the basketball skills too, with, with some of those, those jump balls he was able to come down with uh, another guy, Colby that has just gotten rave reviews all spring camp. And I've actually heard that he's been kind of the star of the show in the backfield is Jalen Warren, the running back transfer at of Utah state. You know, he transfers from Utah state with very little fanfare and, I think he might be RB1 this year, Colby. I, that's basically what I'm hearing, and I thought he really showed some flashes. He didn't just light it up, but he was certainly certainly solid, showed his athleticism with a hurdle as well. I really like what I see out of Warren. and I, I think he's made uh, a big impression this spring.
0: Yeah, I think he has too, and I think he's going to get some snaps. You know, we talked about last week There's only one football and there are four running backs that I'm looking at right now. I'm not including Zach Middleton just yet later in his career. I think Zach Middleton will get onto the field, but right now you got four running backs with LD Brown, Desmond Jackson, Dominic Richardson, who were all on campus last year. And then you throw Jalen Warren in the mix and it's just barring injuries. There's not going to be enough touches to go around for all four guys, but I think Jalen Warren's going to make his way in. I, I think maybe Dominic Richardson ends up being the odd guy out this year. Now, of course, all three of those guys that I just mentioned, those are older guys. Um, those are – what is it? Are, are, are all those guys seniors? Either redshirt or uh, or true seniors? No, i would
1: have to check. I have to get on okstate.com okay, 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 and filter through the site to find it.
0: Yeah, I know Jalen Warren, I believe, is coming over. uh, And then LD Brown and Desmond Jackson both are. So I think they are. So after this season, it'll be just wide open for Dominic Richardson to become the guy. But this season, I think he could be the odd man out because I think Jalen Warren is going to have to get his touches. We know LD Brown likely going to be uh, the starter and the star in the backfield. And then Desmond Jackson, obviously rushing for 200 yards in conference play last year. He's... um, he's big time. So I think Richardson and Middleton might be the odd man out barring injuries, but I liked what I saw from Jalen Warren on Saturday.
1: Yeah. I I'm curious to see if LD Brown can carry the full load. We we've yet to see that in his entire career. He's mostly been a backup. Obviously he has a huge opportunity and that's, that's why he came back was to be the guy. Uh, I, I do think though, you know, I think it might be more of a 50, 50 type split, and they might just go with the hot hand this year, but it is nice to have options and, this is where the transfer portal can really help you getting a guy like a guy like Jalen Warren. He's he's built like a like a bowling ball. He averaged 5.4, five point four yards per carry uh, at last year, at Utah State. So I liked I really liked what I saw of him and he can catch the ball, too. So he, he'll be a nice weapon. And I think he, I think it's a situation, Colby, where they could play. They could put Warren on the field with with LD Brown. Yeah, and I mean, Oklahoma State
0: has some guys in the backfield that you really don't want to have to tackle. I mean, Jalen Warren's five foot eight, two 215 pounds. We know Desmond Jackson is not an easy guy to tackle. LD Brown, I think, is more of a, a hybrid back. I think he can run around you, or he can put his shoulder down and run over you if he wants to. So uh, I'm curious to see how they use all three, because what I want to know is, are we going to see any two-back sets? Are we going to see any sets where uh, Spencer Sanders lights up in the shotgun with LD Brown to his left, Jalen Warren to his right? You know. Know, some combination two of the three with desmond jackson mixed in there as well because i think you could give some defenses some problems with having to keep track of who has the ball and uh you know if you can get these guys on the edge out there where some corners and some safeties have to tackle them these are not going to be easy guys to get on the ground
1: nope i i agree i, I liked what i saw i really did so I, I thought it was impressive from some of the skill players tay martin hadn't mentioned him yet He's coming on, Colby. I, I, I really like his potential. I think he can be the main man out, out wide. And he really is kind of a trend that we've seen with the transfer portal. You got Tay Martin, transfer Warren, who we mentioned, Christian Holmes, Josh Sills, uh, several others, Danny Godlewski, the Miami of Ohio guys playing center. I've heard he's made a big difference on the offensive line already. So the, the transfer portal's paying off for OSU. I really like Tay Martin. I think he's going to have a big year. Yeah, I mean, it's a
0: big new world with the portal and that's what college football is these days. Oklahoma State has tons of transfers all over the field. Tay Martin, I think he's going to be a really good player this year. I think him and Spencer Sanders have a good connection. Uh, You know, he was battling it out with Christian Holmes on the edge, who's a transfer from Missouri. We talked about Jalen Warren, the transfer from Utah State. He's running behind Josh Sills, who's a transfer from West Virginia. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about Trey Rucker at some point, who was bringing the wood on defense. He's a transfer from Wake Forest. Danny Godlewski was blocking on the offensive line. He's a Transfer from Miami, Ohio, Israel Antoine, Colin Clay, transfers on the defensive line. It's, it's college athletics nowadays, especially with COVID and kind of the, the free transferring that we're seeing. We see a lot of it in basketball right now. But Oklahoma State, Carson, I, I don't know, I probably at no point in Oklahoma State's history will they lean as heavily on transfers or have they leaned as heavily on transfers in the past as they will in this upcoming 2021 season.
1: That's the day and age college football with the transfer portal. I agree with you. Before we get to the defense, let's talk a little bit more about the offense, Colby. Spencer Sanders was solid. I mean, they they kind of bogged down in the red zone, which Dave Hudson, uh, OKC Dave on Twitter noted. They're already in mid-season form by settling for short field goals. I thought that was a great tweet. And uh, Spencer Sanders was solid, but I think Shane Ellingworth by far made the biggest plays of the, of the game with his touchdown passes. And he really, to me has a knack for the deep ball. I'm not going to sit here and say he's as good as Mason Rudolph was throwing the deep ball. He's one of the best we've ever seen, but he just seems to have a knack for it. Even coming in last year off the bench, when, when Sanders got hurt, he threw a couple fade routes to Thailand and he seems to have that, that big playability. Yeah, he definitely does. And, it's tough, man. Obviously we know
0: what Spencer Sanders uh, is capable of, what the talent is. Shane Ellingworth looks like he can really play though. I I don't think that there's necessarily a quarterback controversy at this point at Oklahoma state. Uh, Again, you, you take things with context with who was on the field, who was going against what defenses, obviously Spencer's matching up against a little stronger competition defensively, but Shane Ellingworth played against some first team guys as well. I still think it is firmly Spencer Sanders team, But I I don't know if you get to the midway point of the season and Spencer Sanders has five touchdowns to eight interceptions, it may no longer be Spencer Sanders' team. I think for probably the first time in Spencer Sanders' career as a starter, there is now legitimately a guy backing him up that I think the coaching staff would feel comfortable running him out there. Uh, I think that last year, Illingworth wasn't ready to play. He didn't have the spring, everything with COVID. He just – I just don't think he was there. I don't think he was ready to be a quarterback at the Power 5 level. But that experience that he got as a freshman is just invaluable. And now he gets the full offseason to build on what he started a year ago. Uh, I thought Illingworth looked good. I also thought Sanders looked pretty good in the highlights that I saw. Didn't turn the ball over. So uh, I think right now Oklahoma State's in a really good place at quarterback where you have a a clear number one, which is Sanders. You know, it's his job until he loses it. But you still have a guy you feel comfortable with waiting in the wing. So it's not a uh, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback situation because it's still Sanders job. But Illingworth's there if you need it.
1: Well, the thing that's interesting to me is, let's say Sanders gets a knock again and Ellingworth has to come in. It's strange to me how different they are and the recruiting philosophy. I know Mike Yersich is no longer there, but you recruit a Spencer Sanders and then you recruit a Shane Ellingworth and they're two radically different quarterbacks in terms of style of play. It's almost as if they would run different offenses. I mean, that's really what they should do. I mean, Sanders should have should run predominantly, you know, read option and you know, the, the RPO type stuff, whereas the more of a traditional brand weed and spread them out and throw it all over the yard type quarterback. So I I don't understand that the recruiting of two vastly different styles of quarterbacks that to me is an odd dynamic.
0: Yeah, it is odd. And you know, it's, I'm curious to see what Oklahoma State's offense looks like this year because the personnel is different, particularly at receiver. I mean, two of your best players at receiver are going to be Brayden Johnson and Brennan Presley, and we saw those guys lining up Saturday in the spring game quite a bit in the slot. Now, if those guys are in the slot, are you running more quick slants, quick outs, stuff like that, and then you got Tay Martin on the outside, maybe even Jaden Bray gets some run on the other side. I'd like to see more four receiver sets, and then you have to ask yourself, which quarterback better fits the offense that you're building and can the other guy adjust his game and kind of just uh, be a Swiss army knife and do it all. Now, Spencer Sanders with the running ability obviously gives you that extra dimension. uh, And, you know, I'm still firmly in the Spencer Sanders camp. I have not given up on Spencer Sanders, although I do think that this is a make or break season for him at Oklahoma State. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you got to have a quarterback who can get the ball quickly into the hands of, uh, of Brayden Johnson and Brennan Presley in the slot. And I almost wonder, Carson, if that might be better for Spencer Sanders to have more quick stuff in the slot. Cause last year they hardly used the slot at all. Almost everything came from the outside, mostly with Thailand. And then when Thailand got, went out, what happened? Well, they moved stoner to the outside and then stoner got all the, the targets on the outside. Usually whenever Spencer Sanders makes his, you know, mind numbing decision throughout the game, there's usually about one of them. It's usually whenever he's back there for five, six seconds and something breaks down and then he has to try to make a play out of nothing. I I think he'd be pretty good just taking the ball, taking a three-step drop and letting it rip to Brennan Presley or Braden Johnson. So I still have uh, full confidence in Spencer Sanders, but I think the offense as a whole will look different than what we saw in 2020.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I do think the quick stuff is better for Sanders. And as you were talking, I was just thinking, like, just do you remember how many balls down the field, 35 yards plus, that Rudolph connected on? I just don't remember a lot of that with Sanders over his career. He really hasn't shown me the ability to throw it consistently deep down the field. I think he is much better on on the quick type stuff over the middle, to the sidelines, stuff like that. Obviously, spreading the offense out will help him more with that type of stuff. But to me, I think Yellingworth has almost shown more with the downfield throwing ability so far in his career than, than Sanders has, and he hasn't played nearly as much. So I, I, I'm with you. I, I do think that'll help. And obviously, Brennan Presley scores the game's last touchdown on the on the jet sweep. I would love to see him utilize like that all year. Mike Gundy has not tempered any expectations on Presley. He's the guy, and I, I loved what I saw out of him. And uh, one other receiver, uh, John Paul Richardson, played pretty well, too. So the receiving core, they're young. But they have a lot of talent. I really like Presley and, and John Paul Richardson.
0: Yeah, the touchdown that Presley scored there at the end of the game, I'm telling you, he got that jet flip and it just, it didn't look like there was anything there on the left side. It looked like it was very well defended and he made one little stutter step and then took it to the outside and nobody could catch up with him. I, I certainly did not think that he was going to be able to get that ball to the end zone and he found a lane that I didn't think was there. Uh, that's just the raw speed. You, you just can't coach speed. You can't teach speed like that. Uh, John Paul Richardson did have a good game. I, I'll say this, Carson. I was really worried going into last season about what uh, the depth would look like and the high-end talent at both running back and receiver for Oklahoma State. Uh, and I've got to say, barring having to kick anybody off the team for armed robbery, uh, I think Oklahoma
1: State's looking pretty good depth-wise at the skill positions. Yep, I'm with you. They look they look solid. So again. Before we talk overall, the, the defense, I saw what I wanted to see out of the defense, Colby. You know, they played 150 snaps, and they gave up four touchdowns total. That's basically the equivalent of, of two full games, plays-wise, snap-wise. So they, they really held them to field goals, especially Spencer Sanders. And the, the job that Jim Knowles has done on defense is pretty remarkable, the, the defense that he took over versus the one that they have now. They, they are the strength of the team, in my opinion. And I think that I saw what I needed to see. Of course, it's a spring game. It's not, it's not as high intensity as a real game. But again, I just think they have, they have dudes at virtually every position.
0: Yeah, Oklahoma State looks really good on that side of the ball, and that's another place where I think some transfers are going to uh, have an impact. You know, we talk about the guys in the back end, especially Trey Sterling and Colby Harvell-Peel. One guy I was really interested in is another Trey. It's Trey Rucker, transfer safety coming over from Wake Forest. Now, you really probably can't crack into the rotation at safety for Oklahoma State unless you have injuries and things of that nature, but that's something Oklahoma State always deals with. It's something Oklahoma State dealt with last year. You need to have depth at all these positions, especially with these hard hitters that Oklahoma State has uh and and Trey Rucker boy I thought he looked really good he had some nice highlights uh some good open field tackling but even just all three levels of the defense Christian Holmes I think has a chance to make a Rodarius Williams like leap on the edge we we know that at linebacker you're in pretty good shape with Jark Bernard and uh pardon me with Devin Harper and uh Malcolm Rodriguez and then on the defensive line some of the guys that I mentioned earlier it's just uh Man, it's in pretty good shape for Oklahoma State. I I still think you lose a lot with Amen Ongbog-Bamiga and Rodarius Williams uh, exiting. But I think that if you have enough guys come in and fill those roles and you've got enough depth, I think Oklahoma State can be... Maybe not quite the juggernaut it was for the majority of the season last year defensively, but maybe at least uh, still on that level where it's not some sort of drop-off. I, I don't think we're going to be seeing a drop-off to where Oklahoma State's the sixth or seventh best defense in the Big 12. I think this will likely still be a top three to four defense in the conference.
1: I agree, and I do think, though, the loss of Rodarius Williams is the equivalent of losing a Tylan Wallace for the defense. I do think you know, they, they have some experience there at corner, but I do think the the productivity that that Rodarius had last year really wasn't talked about enough uh, conference wide, even nationally, some with OSU. So that, that's a, that's a big missing piece, but I did, I did also like Trey Rucker as well. You know, he, he started as a true freshman at Wake Forest, only played five games last year. So he obviously was able to get on the field immediately at Wake Forest, which says a lot, no matter what conference you're in, if you're in the power five. And so he, he looked like a linebacker a lot <laughs> just with his big hits that he had, but, I think he's going to be huge in 2022 with Colby Harville Peel being a senior Trey Sterling as well, Tanner McAllister. Uh, so he's kind of the next guy in line. You know, we look, uh, look, we looked ahead to the running backs that are kind of next in line. And I think, I think Trey Rucker's another, another great addition through the, uh, the transfer portal. So I'm with you there.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I mean him, Colin Clay, Israel Antoine. I mean, these are guys that you've gotten over from the portal and you know, I, I don't know. I, I kind of like the portal fundamentally. Um, I like athletes and, and students being able to have the ability to, to move around and do what they want to do. Now, look, I don't think it should be, become some, some sort of thing where you just have an automatic pass to transfer as many times as you want, wherever you want to. Uh, but I, I don't mind guys being able to go somewhere once. You know, if you go somewhere and uh, you're sold a bill of goods by a coach, we see this all the time. Guys are told one thing by coaches and sold, you know, dreams and big bright lights and all this stuff. And then they show up and it's not what they were promised. And it just doesn't work out. And it's not a good fit whenever they get there. I I think it's perfectly fine to be able to go somewhere once without having to sit out a year. Um, Now at that point, you better make the right decision because you're going to have people coming along selling you dreams and bright lights again, but you'll be older. You'll be more mature. You'll have the experience of going through this process. So. Um, I I know some people think that the portal is maybe ruining the game because the guys aren't sticking it out as long. And then you're not having that reward where, you know, you have a senior, a corn dog, if you will, Taylor Cornelius who stuck around forever uh, and then ended up being able to start as a senior. It's just, I I don't know. That's just not the uh, modern model of collegiate athletics. And I don't have a problem with that. What, what do you, do you think the portal has been good or bad for college football?
1: Well, I like the portal itself. I don't like, this has kind of been the perfect storm with the COVID transfer rule to where it's almost distorted the view of the portal that it's become so widespread with the COVID rule as well to where it literally just looks like any player can just up and leave at all times. I know it's going to kind of go back to the way things were with the transfer portal. I am concerned though, moving forward to the next few years, after a spring game, if you're not starting, I'm I'm more concerned about, the, the guys who aren't in the first 22 just up and leaving, not waiting their turn to, to play. I am a little concerned about how much mobility there there is with the transfer portal. And I'm concerned with, you know, all the names that are in the portal that don't have a place to go. Uh, you know, there's so many players that are in it and there's not enough teams interested in them to where they're just kind of floating around in the portal. And, and I don't know, I think it's going to burn a lot of kids too. But I, I'm more concerned, Colby, that if I was a head coach, I mean, you almost have to really start coddling these guys if they're not in the, the, the first twenty-two.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, I, I do think that the longer the portal is around, I think we're going to continue to learn as we move forward. And I do think that the system will continue to be tweaked because you have to find the perfect mesh between making sure that the student athletes aren't, you know, prisoners to universities, but also making sure that you um, uphold the integrity of college football and make sure that it's competitive and guys stick around. And so, I don't know, it's, There's a fine line between making sure that student athletes can do what's right for them and kind of, uh, you know, like you said, almost giving them too much mobility where as soon as they don't start as a freshman, they go looking for something else. So it's definitely a juggling act for coaches. Uh, Seems like Mike Gundy's done a pretty good job of it so far with the portal. I, I don't, no I mean can you really think of too many instances where it's hurt Oklahoma State I can uh off the top of my head obviously we're coming fresh off the spring game where a lot of guys who are transfers played well but it it seems to me like the transfer portal has done more good than harm for Oklahoma State
1: I would agree with that my only concern would be like how about this Chuba Hubbard redshirted his first season at OSU what if that was what if that was this year I mean if he thinks he's not going to play and they're going to redshirt him, does he just enter the portal and go play somewhere else? I mean, that, that, that's, that's, a real, that's a real thing, I think. That's my only problem with it. That's a, that's a
0: really good question. I almost wonder if that uh, makes coaches, w- whenever they're on the recruiting trail, almost be more honest with recruits because, you, you know, if you're a coach and you go around telling every kid that you recruit that there's a great opportunity, he's going to play as a true freshman. And then he gets there and he's on campus for a week. And they're like, look, we think you have a lot of talent. We really want you here as, as part of the future of this program, but you're going to have to redshirt this first year. Well, now he's being told something different when he gets on campus than when he was recruited. Whereas if you recruit a guy and you tell him, look, we think that uh, you need to come in redshirt and then it'll be a perfect situation for you. You'll come out as a redshirt freshman and you will light the world on fire for four years at this university I I don't know there are so many uh rabbit holes and and twists and turns and little uh nooks and crannies with this transfer portal uh domino effect if you will one thing leading to another but uh overall I think it's been exciting for college athletics I think it's been good for college athletics you just have to know where to draw the line
1: yep I agree with that so it's uh I think it's helped OSU that's for sure uh one final thought from me on the the spring game Colby is you can always kind of tell how Mike Gundy feels about his team. Like he won't just come out and, and say, we're going to be, we're going to be awesome. But just his general mood and the way he speaks about his team, I think is really telling, you know, some of those years when they struggled, uh, you could, you could really tell he was hesitant and had some concerns about the team, but I think he thinks they're going to be really good Colby because he's been really positive. I mean, the way he's talking to me, it sounds like some of those years, like 2013, not quite 2011 levels, but to me, I think OSU is going to be a lot better than than probably what I thought because at the end of last year, Colby, I was, I was pretty down on OSU football. I didn't know where they were going to go without Thailand and Chuba and Sanders had had somewhat regressed toward the end of the year. Uh, I'm a lot more positive about the team this year, just the way Mike Gunny's talking about it based on some of the talent I was able to see on Saturday and talent I'd frankly have heard about. So to me, Colby, my outlook for the season's looking pretty, pretty solid, way better than it was because obviously Oklahoma is the, the favorite Iowa States right there. But I think you got to put OSU three. I think they're going to be right there behind those two. Yeah,
0: I think so, too. I mean, I think uh, obviously everyone in the conference is playing for second. It's a formality to hand OU the trophy uh, at the end of the season. I I truly believe that. I don't think there's a universe that exists in which OU does not win the Big 12 in 2021. But behind OU, I mean, Iowa State is is good. Iowa State's going to be good again this year. But I really thought that there would be more of a drop-off for Oklahoma State. And now I feel incredibly confident saying that this will be a top-five team in the Big 12. And the question just, just is, I mean, do a couple things break your way in conference play? There are going to be some very crucial head-to-head matchups with, I think, TCU, Texas, Iowa State. Uh, I mean, those are going to be big, big games for Oklahoma State. you got to win some of your head-to-heads if you want to finish uh, in the top three, four of the conference, and especially if you want a trip to Jerry's world, which I know Oklahoma State fans are are just – dying to at least get top two in the conference because, Carson, this has been a good football program since the Big 12 decided to have a championship game. Oklahoma State's had a really good program. They've had opportunities to be in that game, and what whatever has happened throughout the season, it's been just like the perfect combination of events that Oklahoma State has not gotten there to this point. So, you just, you've got to win your head-to-heads against other top teams in the conference, TCU, Texas, Iowa State, uh, and then you've got to hope that a couple of things break your way throughout the season. But I think Oklahoma State could
1: finish anywhere from second to fifth this year in the big 12 and for the love of god iowa state beat iowa and don't lose to louisiana i'm so tired of iowa state like screwing it up in the non-conference and then they're obviously really good in big 12 play It makes the conference look terrible so i want let me pull up iowa state's schedule as we're talking here i'm i'm tired of them uh, they've got northern their damn toe yeah they've got northern iowa i think they've got a cupcake and then northern
0: iowa and i think iowa's their third game if I'm remembering right, um, Northern
1: Iowa, Iowa at UNLV is their non-con.
0: Okay, UNLV, UNLV is not any good. Uh, but who they lose last year to was it Louisiana Monroe? They like yeah. drummed them in week yep. one.
1: Louisiana, yep.
0: Yeah, I mean they got to cut that out. Matt Campbell's way too good of a coach, and they've got way too much talent on that team to not. I mean, worst case scenario, you lose to Iowa, and you're two and one coming out of the non-con. But Iowa State should have a better team than Iowa. This year, Iowa state should be three and O coming into the big 12. And that's good for the conference because then you get an Iowa state team that comes in and and this could be a top 10 team for a good portion of the year. So Oklahoma state gets to square off against the cyclones and Iowa state could be ranked seven or eight at the time. That gives you a chance for a big win. So hopefully they don't butcher the non-conference because I feel like it's been, you know, several years in a row, or at least, uh, you know, two out of three, three out of four that Iowa state's just
1: butchered the non-conference and then had a pretty good conference slate. That's been a that's been a real bugaboo for for Matt Campbell. As great of a coach as he is, he just he just makes us look terrible in the non-conference. But yeah, OSU goes to Ames this year, October twenty third. That's Iowa State's homecoming game. So that is an absolutely massive game in terms of if Oklahoma State can get to the Big Twelve championship game for the first time. So, any more spring spring game thoughts, Colby? Uh, don't believe so just glad it was a game you know it's been glorified
0: practices for a few years this year it was 11 on 11 uh there were a lot of guys out there a lot of guys made plays I thought it was really entertaining and it was good for the fans um the ones that were in attendance anyway if if you were hoping to get some info on it and you weren't there uh might I recommend pistolsfiringblog.com best best place to read up on the spring game
1: hey shameless plug no big deal uh Gundy, as I a put, a, put a wrap on it, said it's the best spring practice we've had in my 17 years as head coach. So he likes the way things have unfolded for sure. So we got the NFL draft on Thursday, Colby. I think uh, Tevin Jenkins has solidified his status as a first round draft pick. It's gonna be fascinating to see where he goes. And just that's a, that's a huge deal for OSU in terms of having a, a first round draft pick. It's been a while. I'd have to rack my brain. When's the last time they had a first round pick? Uh, Would have been... Russell Okung
0: first round pick Russell Okung uh Justin Gilbert that was longer ago oh yeah good question first round pick we I gotta be forgetting somebody
1: gotta be forgetting somebody was Ogba first round he was like the first or second pick of the second round
0: okay yep I'm racking my brain here
1: I've got it here let's see wasn't James Washington was not Mason Rudolph uh, Justin Gilbert was the last first round pick back what? in twenty fourteen. Yeah, eighth overall. Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman both went in twenty twelve in the first round. Des Bryant, Russell Okung, and Rashawn Woods and Kevin Williams, and then R.W. McCorders. Wow. <laughs> then you gotta go all the way back to Barry and Hartley Dykes.
0: I was to say that's a blast from the past. You got well, I mean, we went from Justin Gilbert to RW McCorders quick on that. Really
1: fast. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> like there were three names in between Justin Gilbert and R.W. McCorders that's not nearly enough but yeah Tevin's going first round Thursday I'm fired up
1: yeah that's a good deal for for OSU and recruiting and especially on the offensive line that'll help in offensive line recruiting it just does seeing a the Oklahoma State pop up there when when he's taken but we don't really expect to hear Tylen or Chuba's name or Rodarius's obviously on the first day but on Friday and Saturday, I think those guys will go off the board. So it's, it, they've been kind of all over the map, Colby. I've seen Chuba in the fifth, but then I see today, Daniel Jeremiah has him ranked as like a top 100. I think he had him 115 overall. Uh, so that's a, that's a varying opinion. And taiwan has been second round to third and fourth. So we really have no way to gauge where those guys are going to go, but we do know they're going to get drafted. So I'm fascinated to see how the draft plays out for those guys.
0: Yeah, me too. And, you know, you and I are going to record again on Friday after the first round, but before the second and third rounds. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, we talked about teams that could use Thailand, like uh, Green Bay, Kansas City. I even think Jacksonville would be a good spot. Go play with Trevor Lawrence, but we'll be able to see what happens in the first round. You know, if, if Green Bay trades up and takes a receiver in the first round, okay, that's probably a, a name that we can cross off for Thailand. So, we'll have a little more information on Friday, and I will try to do some research based on what happened Thursday night. I'll try to come loaded on Friday uh, with predictions as to round and team where guys will go, uh, and I, I will try to not inject too much homerism into it but you know you want to you want to see guys you root for go to good teams and good situations you just man i can't imagine if if tuba gets drafted somewhere like baltimore like justice hill did and just gets buried behind a depth chart where they're doing running back by committee with four or five guys that's just it's not a good situation uh i've already said i think seattle would be a great spot for chuba so i i love the nfl draft carson it to me as a dallas cowboys fan is maybe the best nfl event of the year because it's the only time of the year that as a dallas cowboys fan you feel like there's hope so uh yeah always look forward to the draft
1: Yep. It's exciting. I I love it. I can, I can watch every pick I probably won't this year, but it's certainly, uh, it's certainly exciting. So you were in Stillwater for the uh, baseball series. You got to check out O'Brate stadium. Tell me, tell me all there is to know about O'Brate.
0: Yeah. I went up yesterday and it was, it was our last chance to get tickets this year to go to O'Brate. And I was like, all right, we're doing it. Got to go up. And I mean, it was a great day. Wind was blowing out 25 miles an hour to left field. So that made for some, some nice home runs. Uh, but the stadium itself is just, it's unbelievable. I mean, the pictures. Really don't do it justice until you're in the stadium and you look around and you see the suites and all the corrals. And uh, I mean, the the scoreboard, even the batter's eye in center field is incredibly impressive. It's just, it's a, a big time ballpark. And it's to me, the most impressive athletic facility uh, at Oklahoma State. Obviously, it's the newest. It's, you know, most state of the art uh, for its sport. But just everything about it, the uh, the buildings, the the training room, off the back, the little turf infield they've got where they, they can take infield there on the northwest side. It's just, it is an incredible, incredible uh, stadium. And it, it was a joy to be up there, watch some Oklahoma State baseball. Christian on Strand hit another home run. I believe it was his 15th of the season. And it was just, I mean, he hit it out to left. Uh, I told my wife, we had just gotten there. We were actually standing in line at the concession stand, but I turned around and I said, all right, this guy right here, power hitter, one of the best in college baseball, and he's downwind. If he hits it, <laughs> it's going to leave the park. And he squared it up, and sure enough, it's in the uh, the catcher's net in in left field out there. So uh, great game. Oklahoma State got the win 7-3 to yesterday, only took – One out of three from Texas, but Texas is one of the best teams in the conference. This weekend, got one in Stillwater and two in Norman for Bedlam Baseball. Oklahoma State really needs all three. Carson and OU is struggling. They've kind of been reeling down to eighth now in the conference, I believe. So uh, Oklahoma State really needs to go out and take all three from them and just continue to reign reign supreme in uh, spring sports Bedlam.
1: Yep, that'd be nice because yeah, as you mentioned, they're they were one and five against TCU and Texas in those two series. So. Bad couple
0: weekends.
1: Yeah, bad couple weekends. So hopefully baseball can bounce back. Uh, one more note before we get out of here, Colby. My my one and done pick of Christopher Ventura and Victor Hovland just tanked on Sunday. They shot a 78 after being near the lead the entire tournament. I think they took home like 14 grand instead of 1.5 mil, so that hurt their wallets and hurt my uh, my one and done pick.
0: Yeah, it uh, it was not a good Sunday for Christopher Ventura and Victor Hovland. It's one of those things, alternate shot, man. If one guy is off, you're doomed. If you kept a couple bad breaks, like Cameron Champ and Tony Finau, a couple times they hit fairway bunkers off the tee. Usually wouldn't be that penalizing, but some of those bunkers down there, the ball would roll like to the front lip and then you have to pitch out sideways. It's just a lot of things have to go right in alternate shot. And they just weren't going right yesterday for Victor Hovland and, uh, and Christopher Ventura. I will say though, Peter Uline now two really good weeks in a row wins on the corn Ferry tour last week. And then he and Richie Warinski, uh end up finishing in solo third this week. So a couple of really great weeks for Peter Uline. And while we're on the theme of golf, Carson, uh, the Big 12 tournament for the men started today in Hutchinson, Kansas at Prairie Dunes. Very difficult day at Prairie Dunes. Wind is blowing a steady 25 miles an hour up there all day. Uh, It's 36 holes today, 18 tomorrow, 18 Wednesday to determine the Big 12 champion. Currently OU leads, uh, but only by eight shots over Oklahoma State, who's in fourth. Texas and TCU are in between. So much golf still to be pay, played. Uh, Bo Jen for Oklahoma State, currently T5. Quade Cummins at OU, currently T1. A lot of golf to be played between now and Wednesday. Uh, tomorrow, the wind is supposed to blow as well and a chance of rain. So uh, the weather could get dicey for the Big 12 tournament, Big 12 championship. But hopefully Oklahoma State can bring that one home and get another conference title. But to do it, they'll have to dethrone the number one team in the country. OU is the number one ranked golf team in the country. So Oklahoma State's going to have to play well the next couple of days.
1: Yep, and uh, could come down to some Bedlam. We'll have to wait and see. That's exciting. ai have never been to Prairie Dunes, so I've always wanted to get up there. So that's, a, that's an outstanding venue for the Big 12 championship. All right, Colby, enjoy the NFL draft. We'll talk to you on Friday. Yes, sir. Go Pokes.